Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, Pastor John and I talk about some of the books we're reading and how those books affect our weekly preaching. We also dig into this week's messages in our series entitled Longings. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, hello again, uh, everybody. Welcome to Armchair Preaching, episode number 36. 36. Here we go. And uh, we're in the, this is the third week in our series entitled Longings. And um, before we jump in, this week we we really talked about the longing to care for others and to be cared for. Um, But John, I wanted to just talk about, uh, from a more broad standpoint, um, one of the things that I get asked, and I'm sure you probably get asked a lot, is, you know, what are you reading? What are you listening to? And so I just wondered, you know, if you just kind of share with folks, what are some things that you're kind of taking in right now? Maybe maybe it's another podcast or maybe a book that you're reading right now. Um, so what, what what's the kind of stuff that you're taking in right now? And I know we were talking about this a moment ago. Part of this is because you're constantly referring to things in sermons yeah. and I'm constantly referring to things in, in sermons. And so where, where does this source material originate? You know, like I talked about psychology today. Uh-huh. I'm not a reader and a regular reader of psychology today. Yeah. I don't subscribe to psychology today, but in doing my research for this particular message, I came across this great reminder that from us, from a psychologist that, that, um, that, that having being cared for does has all kinds of great, benefits to it. But that was just one piece of many pieces. Uh, I, I am, uh, it's just funny because you, there's so many things that I, that I have in my, I have two books sitting in my family room that, uh, that is a two part series. So I'm reading, mm-hmm. reading through part of that. I've got probably four books sitting on my nightstand that I'm reading through part of, of those. I've got books on audio that I listen to all the time with my, uh, with my, um, uh, audible. And so I, I read and the things I read are, are all over the place. I, yeah. I told uh, several people that part of what I was doing on vacation this, this, uh, this year was to get through Tolstoy's Anna Karina. Oh wow! And uh, and I didn't make it through that on on uh, on vacation. So a few weeks later, I finished it up, which was a fantastic story. So one of the things that's been great for me has been to get back to. I, I, I have an online list of the top 100 best selling or top 100 novels of all time. Wow! And I'm trying to check off as many of those as I as I can. I got to tell you that I that uh, that Ulysses, the James Joyce Ulysses, was I was about to poke my eyes out trying to get through that. <laughs> but but I but you know it's it's getting like like uh, the sun also rises by Hemingway. I was, yeah. I, that was one of the books that I that I wanted to get knocked off. So reading those kind of books, but also reading um, very practical books. Um, a book right now I'm reading uh, called Upstream, which mm-hmm. is about trying to solve problems uh, upstream before they become real problems downstream. Yeah. So it's like how do you change your line, way of thinking to be more upstream and focused. So those are the some practical books. A book on discipling that I'm reading right now. The book on up, upstream. Um, uh, still still working through. Um, um, uh, Bailey, Ken Bailey's uh, Jesus through the eyes of, of Middle Eastern eyes. Mm-hmm. 
is fantastic because he spent so much time in the Middle East. And yeah. he, when he talks about the context that you read about in the New Testament, he's talking about it from practices that he saw all around him. So, so uh, I'm, I'm all over the place when it comes to books like that. And then Seal and I, Seal and I like to read together as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll have a book that we'll listen to or read to each other as well. Yeah. And those are usually more the, the fun books to read. Yeah. How about you? Well, I'm in my doctorate, so a lot of the books that I read are very much um, related to the doctoral studies. I, I just finished, um, for my doctoral project, I just finished reading um, Charles Taylor's A Secular Age, which is just a behemoth, um, very interesting book about how, you know, we went from, you know, 500 years ago or so where pretty much everybody believed in God. It was just kind of a you know whether whether they were devout or not it was a default um that everyone believed in god to now it's very rare that people believe in god or or from a practical standpoint act as though god exists they may say they believe in god but don't act as though god exists um so that was that's been very um impactful hmm. in a lot of ways I, I um some some secular psychology books on identity formation because that's what my doctoral project is on is identity formation um i haven't read anything super fun in a long time <laughs> a long time not to say they haven't been edifying books that i've read but um haven't read anything that's been i haven't read a novel and i can't Six years, probably. That, yeah. that I, you're, you're still a year yeah. out from being able to yeah. feel like you've got the brain space and the margin to get to do that. Yeah, when I when I when I graduated seminary, uh, I I had had some books that I was like, yeah, when I get done with seminary, I'm reading this stuff. You know, just fun. I'm talking like Harry Potter series type <laughs> books. You know, stuff that I had never read, but. Um, but I knew what you know people enjoyed those and and uh and it's funny once you once you go from seminary to reading you know fiction, your eyes change and your your mental space changes on on that and then um you know for me i'm i I listen to a lot of music mm-hmm. i I watch television and and movies and things like that, and I very rarely watch anything from the standpoint of pure entertainment. Um, I don't know about you, but when when I watch a television show, I'm I'm it is it could be entertaining, but I'm always I'm always deconstructing it in my mind. Where is it coming from? What's the story about? I'm seeing, I'm trying to look for principles that rise up in the in yeah. the storytelling, even in in silly things. I'm just like, what's the principle that just rose up in that in that story? Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. it is a critical it is a critical eye on uh, on cultural. Uh, readings. Yeah, I read for seminary, I, or not seminary, for my doctoral work, I, I was in a class called Interpretive Leadership, and basically it was how to, as a leader, interpret cultural inputs. You know, it's um, when when you when people are watching movies and and people are you know watching television shows and listening to popular music or whatever, they're doing it with very. Um, they're doing it mostly for pure entertainment purposes, but as a as a leader in the church, understanding that we're called to lead people through the culture um, and not pretend as though culture doesn't exist. So, how do we help interpret those, the positive and the negative, for them to see where where God God may be echoing through mm-hmm. even even mm-hmm. unbelievers? Yeah. You know, because as we talked about a couple of weeks ago in this series, everybody has this spiritual longing, and that creeps through in a lot of different ways. Um, artistically, so when I'm when I'm watching even you know um, even a sitcom or something, I'm seeing those principles kind of 
elevate. And I go, oh, wait a minute. This is a common, this is a theme that even the unbeliever grabs a hold of. And that means that the wider congregation is, is, is thinking through those things as well. It also, for me, when I go back to a sermon, I'm thinking, okay, what are the touch points that a non-believer who might be sitting in the congregation, how can I grab a hold of a touch point that I know they're, they're yeah. engaging as well too? Yeah. That reminds me of um, a, a person we both know, and used to be she used to be the um, a, a leader in the area of Presbyterian churches, the Presbytery. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Nancy Cahan yeah. um, once said that the job of every leader is to pay attention. Yeah. And this is kind of what you're saying is that yeah. you pay attention to what culture is, what's happening in culture. You pay attention to why things are happening in culture, not so that we can adapt ourselves to that culture, but so that we can speak to that culture in ways that give you a starting point with the culture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's like one of the books I, I read um, in this this class was a, a, a book called um, God's Wider Presence uh, by Robert K. Johnston, and uh, he takes the the very reformed concept of common grace, and then he he works that out culturally and says, well, we see the echoes of this common grace with people that wouldn't even even call themselves religious or spiritual, but we see and hear and experience these stories in um, some pretty dramatic ways, and those Mm -hmm. are great evangelistic touch points for the preaching ministry or the teaching ministry for people. Um, and so, so that's this, interesting. So there's another, there's another area here that I wonder for your life with you with two young children mm-hmm. and uh, me with the five grandchildren who were all here this past weekend. Yeah. I should add to uh, add to the list, uh, the book that I read most recently was The Book With No Pictures by B.J. Novak. Oh, wow. Which is a fantastic book that yeah. my six-year-old granddaughter just loves. Yeah. And so I read that to her just, uh, just yesterday. And uh, But when we read to our children or to our grandchildren, mm-hmm. we're reading. We're also reading stories, and like just like with anything else, I'm reading that with an eye and an ear towards. Okay, does this speak a principle that matters? And yeah. is there something we can do with this? Do you read to your children? Uh, yeah, that, my kids are at the age now where they're really reading a lot to me. Um, uh, but you know, my son, my son is at the age now. He's 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 starting to read the 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 Tolkien series. So he just finished the Hobbit. Um, and that yielded some great conversations with him because I've read The Hobbit uh, three times probably. It's one of those books that every five or seven years I probably go back to. And just talking to him, for example, uh, uh, about, about, the, about the ring in Gollum and, and what is that all about? What was Tolkien's mentality about it? He, he finished um, you know, the, the, the Chronicles of Narnia series last year, and, and we got to talk through some, some of those things. Those are really interesting touch points. Now that he's at the age where he's reading really classic books, he's mm-hmm. really into the fantasy-type genre and things like that. But, but even um, you know, talking with him about some of the hero narratives that you see in, in everything from Star Wars, the movies, and, and Harry Potter and things like that, and calling to mind, look, you, you see the echo that, that people have in their hearts. They long for this dying Savior kind of image, and that's throughout human history that story has come up over and over and over again. And, and as C.S. Lewis um, was reminded or was the breakthrough for him was when Tolkien actually said to him, well, the story, the myth, he used the term myth, the myth that is true is the, the story of Jesus Christ. Hmm. It's the story that, that you know, religions and, and literary works have, have, have touched on and, and uh, hinted at for generations, but only in Jesus Christ it's true. And when yeah. 
when Tolkien and Hugo Dyson explained Christianity to, to Lewis in that way, he that was his big epiphany moment on Addison's walk mm-hmm. out in, out in Oxford. So to be able to talk to Caleb about that now is um, those are really those are really great moments. And I love that that what you just described was a children's book. I mean, C.S. Lewis wrote that yeah. for children. Yeah. And, but in that children's book, there's so many layers to that. And there's so many other books like that that have that, that you know, it's a simple story. I mean, any, any simple story. It doesn't have to be even coming at it like Tolkien came at it or from a Christian point of view or, yeah. um, or C.S. Lewis comes at it from a Christian point of, point of view. Um, it could be anything. I and mean, we, were, we were just talking about um, the survival story of the book uh, Hatchet. Yeah. The boys you know, crashed in the, in the woods and he survives after, after a period of time. Now you've got the essence of you know uh, of being and, yeah. and and how does one uh, understand self and in, in, a, in a in a world where there's nothing else out there so and that's a children's book so i love that even children's yeah. book can books can can speak to our our faith so well yeah because we're a people of we're a people of stories you know and even when we approach the preaching ministry i think a lot of times i hear it in your messages as well but i definitely approach it from i'm telling the gospel story over and over and over and over and over again i just the entry point is different the exit point sometimes is different but we're we're called to 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 repeat the gospel story over and over and over and over again and i think um thinking with that narrative mindset helps people engage and then also bring it back into the into the real world mm-hmm. with where they where they live and and this week we we were really honing on the story of care and concern and being known. And, mm-hmm. and I wonder this week how you approached. So we were, we were really focusing on Galatians chapter 6, 1 through mm-hmm. 3, um, where Paul exhorts the, the Galatian church um, to, one, restore the, those who are spiritual, and they find someone in, in transgression to restore them with gentleness and bear one another's burdens. That was really the two mm-hmm. kind, of, mm-hmm. kind of points of emphasis there. But I wonder how you... What what your thought process was as you approached that this this week's message? Yeah. Well, I have, to, I have this is the part that doesn't get said gets on the editing room floor, but uh, this one has this particular passage, and, and and not just the three verses that we emphasize, but the ten verses that make up the full section of the pericope that we that is, that is around this yeah. uh, is something near and dear to my heart because in my New Testament exegesis class in seminary, this was this was my first full exegetical passage that oh, I wow. dealt with. And I've got, I pulled the paper out and said, I wonder what I did back then. <laughs> and I realized that, I mean, I did, uh, and you, you, we did a, a full paper on it, and then we did an outline of a sermon. Yeah. And I will tell you that I didn't pre- preach the sermon that I preached in that out at that outline, but the 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 interpretive exegetical work was very very instructive for me. Even what was beyond chapter or verse three mm-hmm. was really in, in helpful for me just to know that this verse three is but a but you know a third of what is what is to come in the rest of that uh, of that section. But in the exegesis of, of, of verse, those first three verses, clearly there is this call by Paul to the church after all that he's been dealing with. Because he came out swinging in Galatians, yeah. as we know. He, just, he, he, was, he was hot. He was upset. People were coming in undermining his teaching. Uh, you and I both dealt with that. We talked yeah, about you, that. You actually I, really, I really loved how you, you did highlight, I didn't do this, with a, that how mad Paul was about the Judaizers oh, yeah, coming go, in. Go, <laughs> go, go castrate yourself. yourself. Which I, I preached that passage before, yeah. but I think it, it does really emphasize, dude, he was 
He was really upset. So, Zach, about this. next time you're upset with someone in the church who's undermining a teaching, are you, are you going to say, uh, "Listen, I just wish that person would go castrate go themselves." Go castrate yourself. And everybody's going to, "How can you dare say that?" We got precedent right here. It's right here. Yeah. yeah. No. So, so the 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 clearly the theme after all that was going on, he said, part of what what it means to live in the faith is to take care of each other. Yeah. And for me, the inter- the most interesting thing about this was, uh, and you you. You and I both dealt with it. If a brother or sister is in that transgression, if they're in that sin, we have a responsibility. Yeah. And to me, that was the most interesting thing because it's, it was tied to caregiving. Yeah. And that we that we have a responsibility for someone who is in sin as an act of care. Yeah. Was that was I mean it's, I mean obviously it's 25 years ago I did that exegetical work in seminary, but I'm just as impacted by that. Today and that and that connection today as I was twenty when I really first dug into this is just that's pretty that is powerful. Yeah. So if I see you, that's that's the thing. We're just really personal. Yeah. And I, and I try to do that in a sermon. If I see you and you know kind of lost in some transgression, I should have something in my brain that goes, I love Zach. Yeah, I need to help him out. I need to help a brother out. Yeah. He's in a bad place right now. Yeah. I need to be on a journey with him, which is a very different thing than saying, I need to come there and smack him on his head yeah. and, uh, and, and, and journey with him. Now, sometimes that's, sometimes, you know, that's, sometimes what you that's what it takes, but, yeah. but, but that's not the, the, that's not the starting point. The starting point is out of care and love for a brother. Yeah. You, you step in and you're, you're willing to. So that was really cool. And from there to broaden it up to say it's, it's true for anything that anybody yeah. goes with, yeah. deals with. Yeah, so that, that was that was my setup. So it was all about is that that is a that as a longing. So that is a coming as a command. But you and I both came at it that that's actually a, a command that touch touches on something that's already imprinted on us. Yeah. And just just to marry those two in the sermon was I was really the the fun part for for yours and mine. Yeah, and and I you know when I look at when I look at that Galatians six, um, especially verse two, one of the things that really jumped out at me this time. It's funny that you mentioned that your exegetical passage was on Galatians six. Mine was actually on Galatians five one through ten. Um, when I was in seminary, that's the exegetical passage I had to do. So, I think there's something with that. Um, but the 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 phrase that really jumped out at me because the whole the whole thing with the Galatian church is what do we do with the law right what do we do with the law are, are we supposed to follow the law are we not supposed to yeah. follow the law and and you've got these Judaizers that say uh, if you really want to be a Christian you really want to be in the in in, in with with God's people you gotta you gotta follow the law you gotta be Jewish um, and then Paul's like well you can't be justified that way. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ. But then in verse 2, that that 6-2, he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. He uses that term law right there. And to me that was, so so I really wanted to unpack, well, the law of Christ is, is, is not the full 600 and whatever, 13 Old Testament laws. The law of Christ is the fulfillment of that, that, that Jesus himself, you know, demonstrated to us, and then we get to live in that in that that law. So going back and saying, well, how does Jesus explain the law? Going back to Matthew twenty two, and and then Jesus' example of Matthew twenty two: love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and love your mm-hmm. neighbor as yourself. And then He demonstrates that by dying on the cross. So in order that our transgressions might be taken care of, and so we as a result have a have an opportunity and an obligation as people on a, on Jesus mission to continue to do that for one another and restore one another in a spirit of gentleness like you're saying mm-hmm. you know so often 
our default in the church is condemnation or judgment of sin. And sometimes that's necessary, but ve- but very rarely are, are yeah. churches now known as gentle places for sinners. Right, right. And I think that was one of the things that Paul is trying to get across is like, if you think you're somebody, especially in verse three, if you think you're somebody when you're really nothing, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you deceive no, I yourself. Thought, I, I thought you did a great job of uh, of connecting that one and three that way, and just really coming back to that that humility and that that fuels that gen- gentleness because it's a it is a I think it's a real issue in the church. I mean, we let's, let's maybe we can talk about this for a moment. It's just it's a real issue in the church that to actually do what was said in these verses. Yeah, uh, that I. You know, unless it comes from that place where you are you are you are prayed up, you are you yeah. are introspective, you understand your own culpability, your own failure, your own sin and, and moral failing failings, and then and only then do I come to you. So if I were, if we're in fact going to come to you, I mean, the first thing I'm doing is like, I got I've got no leg to stand on yeah. at all before before God because of my own failure, and I'm going to tell you that that's going yeah. to be my starting point. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's the I think that's the real. I think that's the real tricky part with being a believer in the community of the church where we're we're supposed to um, bear one another's spiritual burdens and the other burdens as well to to realize that there are going to be many many times where we ourselves need that mm-hmm. and and to to put ourselves in a vulnerable position and I think that's probably one of the most difficult things about about any relationship, and, and you you brought this up. I love the the intro to your message was the five love languages mm-hmm. because there's a certain vulnerability that you are opening yourself up to in any relationships, but especially in marriage. Mm-hmm. And to 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 demonstrate love for one another, not just in the way that you're most capable of giving it, but in the way they're going to receive it. And I think that's why. Paul, when he talks about restore one another in a spirit of gentleness, it's to look to that other person and say, if I was in their shoes, because I will be in their shoes at some point, yeah. um, that's when you can talk, you know, watch out for yourselves lest you be tempted because there's going to be that temptation. Um, I think that's the real difficult part in, in any congregation, in any relationship, is that vulnerability to say, you know, I'm, I'm pretty messed up too. <laughs> And I know what it's like to be on that that side of being messed up. See, I think that is the harder thing. The the rest of it, and I loved how you 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 spent the you spent some time in talking about what the the sense of bur- burden, the the word burden in the mm-hmm. Greek language, how that's it's just just a weight that you carry upon you. I just if the rest of those weights that people carry upon them are the ones that are they're they're heavy and they're burdensome and they're difficult, but they're pretty predictable but just by living this life yeah at some point you're going to deal with the loss of loved ones at some point you're going to deal with physical health issues and maybe sometimes financial issues and other the other normal things so you kind of expect that that that's going to be the things that when you carry one another's burdens you'll be helping people with that it's that first part that Paul starts with where where when that burden is the other person's sin mm-hmm. um, that I really I really long for the church to be able to do that well. Yeah. And I don't think the church has historically, and I don't mean this church, I mean the church, yeah. has historically done that well because most people come in and, and with a little bit of, with a lot of self-righteousness. Yeah. It's like, you did this wrong thing. You need to stop doing this wrong thing. And I'm telling you why, because I'm the smart person here and I've, I've figured this out and God doesn't want you doing that. 
It, it's not effective. That's yeah. a, the bottom line is it doesn't work. And that's not even what's biblical either. And it's not biblical. Yeah, and that's the thing that I think people really get away from is, you know, Paul was able to talk about his own humility many, many times about about his own mess ups and his own uh, shortcomings and failures. And 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 I think, you know, we come from as as believers, we come from a long lineage of of faithless, unrighteous, unholy people whom whom God has restored and redeemed. Mm-hmm. And I think we get to that that restored and redeemed and then we stand on it like it's our own righteousness yeah, yeah. and forget all about the, the 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 prior yeah the prior moments or the failures themselves ongoing yeah. ongoing failures and and that's when we look at you know the 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 influence of the church over the last 20 30 40 years and especially in the west one of the biggest um, indictments against the big C church is that very attitude, um, and and the church too is, judgmental, too yeah. too hypocritical, too too whatever. Yeah. And whether that's earned or not, we know both of us. We know we've seen it in 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 individual parishioners or in and we, and thank God. I mean, I don't think I've seen it myself in an entire congregation that I've been a part of, um, but pockets of it. Yeah. But we know we definitely know of whole churches that get infected. With that sort of self-righteous mentality, yeah. and uh, becomes a very, they become very toxic there, environments. There's a longing. There's a different kind of longing that comes out of that. Now that I'm, now that we're talking about this, and it's the longing of a pastor of a church for what could be. Yeah. You know, for an alternative reality to what you're just describing. Yeah. That what what could be, and it could be that in this church, that if somebody is really struggling with a with a a sin of some sort, whether yeah. it's a secret sin that gets discovered or whether it is a very public sin that uh, that nobody is talking about, that with full humility yeah. that a, a person in the church would say, look, I love you. I'm, I am I have no grounds on which to stand before God any different than you because I have failed and I have uh, along the way as well and I'm to this day. But I also know in, in the discernment of my own life in my own spirit that that what's happening with you is not that's not God's will either. Yeah. And so I'm with you and I'm going to stay with you and I'm not going to let you you, you know, uh do the, go through this alone, but I also'm not going to let you go through it by go through know, it. Yeah, I'm right. not not going to let you not go through it. I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm bringing it out. So my great I mean I think we have longings too that these yeah. this would be the kind of restorative and I do mean that restorative community that it's always been intended to be. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it was it was interesting because in the Bible study that I that I teach on Sunday, we were doing Psalm fifty one. You know, the, of all the, things, of all things, it was, just, and that's just the way the that's just the way the 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 weeks aligned. Um, the way God put it, put it, you know, where the great confessional Psalm of David, following his worst transgressions, but also following Nathan's Nathan. restoration, restorative act. Now. He and he came with gentleness, which is an interesting thing because he came with a story. story. You know, he came in saying, well, "What would you do if this if this person stole the lamb? You know, how would you yeah. how would you respond?" And David was indignant. And he then, bit he bit hard on that one. Yeah, and Nathan turns around and says, "You're the man." Yeah, you know, you're the man. And 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 just just that idea that God puts people in place that have that have that have can 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 be gentle, be humble. But also can speak that kind of truth um, in a way that is 
again, that word restorative, that, that, that's a very important, important word for, mm-hmm. for this, the whole conversation, the whole conversation. And that, you know, that really brings us to this week. You know, this week we're talking about a longing for community and just what that means. Give, give folks just a little teaser about moving from this week, talking about care, concern, being known and, and cared for and restored to this week of community. Yeah, I think that the uh, and I I love the bit that you did with uh, Cheers, the the, cheers the, the, the bar office. Cheers, cheers in Norm, the office, yeah, in the office. Uh, but the other element that goes along with that being known at, at Cheers, uh, Cheers uh, is that you have a sense of place. Yeah. To have a sense of belonging of a like-minded people where you you are doing things, all the things we've been talking about so far, you're living that out in, in community. I think that that truly is a longing inside the, mm-hmm. the, well, it is a longing. That's why we're having this part of this series. It is a longing inside the human soul to have that. And you and I are both going to start this week with something that ties into a a, a, a moment for us as a, as, a, yeah. as a culture that where we saw this... All of the the places of division fell away, at least momentarily. They fell away, and we came together as a mm-hmm. as a people. Yeah. And it's that moment of coming together as a people that really is uh, people. Uh, the beautiful thing is that in heaven we're gonna we're gonna it's live just, it that way. It's all community. It's all community. All it's time. all before the throne throne of God, singing holy, mm-hmm. holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Was and is and is to come. So we're getting we're talking about glimpses of that. Yeah. In this life, uh, before we get to that life, yeah, and I think this is, I think all, all the all the messages that we've we've talked about thus far have been really important. I think um, in this era, where there's so much division and so much splitting of communities and 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 you know ideological kind of uh, conflicts. I think that longing for community is even stronger, and especially in a moment where lots of people have been isolated for so long, some still isolated. Um, this is an important, yeah. I think, is an important week, and the church being the com- the, the place and the the, the body that it, that um, that demonstrates that community yeah. in a like you said in a preview sort of way, a foreshadowing way of the ultimate community in heaven. Mm. It's going to be a great, great message. If you have not uh, seen or heard this past week's sermons, I encourage you to go to fpclakeland.org. Uh, go up to the worship tab uh, under the sermon archive. You can see or hear both of the messages from this past Sunday, as well as the in, the entire service. Um, you can also check out uh, Armchair Preaching on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher or on SoundCloud. We do encourage you, if you, if you like this, go ahead and subscribe so you get notified. Share it with folks. We have gotten some good responses over yeah, the last couple of nice. weeks. People saying, oh, wow, this is so great just to be able to hear that. So that encourages us. So if you have enjoyed that, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on any one of those podcast platforms and then share it with folks that you know. I think uh, we hope that it's edifying for folks. It's edifying for me. Definitely. So, uh, thank you, John, once again. It's good to be here once again. And and uh, we'll be back in the armchairs next week. See you guys next See time. See you next week.